and I just thought it would be um, a good study tonight, and it's just one verse, but just a couple simple thoughts here as we look at this judge. Uh, those of you that um, remember that um, that the children of Israel in verse in chapter number three, that Ehud last week we talked about uh, killed Eglon, and so the children of Israel lived in peace or rest, if you will, four score years, and then uh, verse thirty one takes place now. Verse 31 uh, takes place, and Shamgar is the next uh, judge. So he is the guy. He is the guy that God appointed for the children of Israel. Now, for whatever reason, the Scripture does not give us a lot of details about him, about who Shamgar was. Uh, Verse number 31, we'll read together. Judges chapter 3. Judges 3 and verse number 31, the Bible says, and after him, who's after him? After Ehud, okay? So after Ehud, here comes Shamgar. Uh, Was Shamgar, the son of Anath, uh, which slew of the Philistines 600 men with an ox goad, and he delivered Israel. So let's look, first of all, at the guy. Who is this guy? Who is Shamgar? If you have your Bible, take it at uh, Judges 5 and verse number 6. Shamgar, Shamgar here in verse number, chapter 5 and verse number 6. Chapter 5 is a song that Deborah wrote after she was judged. And this is a song that she sings or they sing together. Uh, uh, Deborah and Barak, I believe that's, na- that's right. In verse number six, in the days of Shamgar, the son of Anath. And that's what it says. Then uh, verse number five, the mountains melted from before the Lord, even in Sinai, from before the Lord, God of Israel, in the days of Shamgar. So it, it really, this is, the, this is the, the extent of who he was. He was a, what we would say, a really just a nobody. He wasn't related to anybody. He didn't have a a huge name. He didn't have uh, a name of renown. He wasn't a king of renown. He didn't get in this position because of (coughs) who his parents were or what kind of lineage he was. And, And so as you look at this, and may it be true to us that God doesn't need somebody of, of pedigree to use for the service of God. He doesn't need somebody who's of any importance. He doesn't need anybody that, that fits the mold, if you will, to stick in that position. He just needs a willing vessel. In Ezekiel chapter 22 and verse number 30, the Bible tells us that God sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap, but he found none. There will come a day, and there is a day, I believe, that, that men are being looked upon to take churches, to start churches, to pastor churches, to be missionaries, to be preachers, and men simply are not doing what they are called and what God wants them to do. And at this time period, God called Shamgar 
Well, with an ox code to deliver the children of Israel, and he didn't have to have a pedigree. He didn't have to have a college degree. He didn't have to have this, uh, everybody knows who he is. He's just simply a servant of God. And sometimes it gets lost in the idea of Christianity that you have to be somebody. That you have to be of somebody or some pedigree or some somebody in the church for them to recognize you. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter where you've been. You can be a servant of God. And that's the most important thing that as a Christian we understand. We don't have to be anybody. We don't have to have a pedigree. We can just be who you are. And that's important as well. It's, it's not, uh, you ha- everybody has to be a Trenton. Everybody has to be an Eddie. Everybody has to be a Miss Joyce, uh, Brother Alfred, Brother Blackie. It doesn't have to be that way. See, God has joined us together here at Mid-County Baptist Church for a specific reason, for a specific purpose, to reach people with the gospel, and he's given us people of all kinds, right? He's given us a Cajun, true blue Cajun, right? Right? 14 carat. 14 carat. <laughs> Not 18. <laughs> and every one of us are different. What would it be like if the church was full of the same people? It would be boring. <laughs> there would be no excitement, huh? If it was full of eddies, it wouldn't exist. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but every one of us serve a different purpose. And God chose Shamgar to be that person, to be that guy. I, look, why did God choose you? God chose you for this time, for this purpose, for right now. So why did God choose you? What can he had a weak moment? God never has weak moments, brother Eddie. I'm so glad he chose me. Yes. But he chose you to be the guy or the lady. He chose you. So what do you do with God choosing you? Do what he wants you to do. Mm-hmm. Now that's the convicting part. Because God chose Shamgar. But Shamgar stepped up to the plate. Now I believe that God chooses people all the time and they refuse to do what God wants them to do. Sure. They, they know more than he does. Yep. Yeah. I think they know more. But has God ever moved on you to do something? Sure. Has God called you to do something? To be something? To do something in the church? What has God called you to do? Then what do you need to do? Do what he says. Sit on your hands? Right. Wait for the next person to volunteer? Right? I love handing out tracts. Mm-hmm. Really do. I, I really do. Yes, sir. That's the best I can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let me ask you this. I want you to, I want your response. Why did God choose you? Why did God choose you? Why does God choose any of us? 
All right. He equips us whatever he wants us to do. Like in my case, he equips me with the opportunity to, you know, mm-hmm. he puts me in a place where I can do that. Yes, sir. And uh, if I don't do it, then I'm disappointing him. Mm-hmm. You know, because the tracks are available. We have them here. And uh, if you're ashamed to spread the gospel, whatever kind of way it is, then he's going to be ashamed of you. Hmm. That's what it says. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so many Baptists think that, oh, I'm in the club. I don't have to pass out a track. I don't have to put a Bible on somebody's door. I don't have to do anything. Just sit. Mm-hmm. Like I told them Sunday, you know, a lot of people sit like they're super glued to the seat. Yeah. That's true. A lot of times what happens is people sit and they soak and then they sour. That you know becomes to a place where they could care less what God does, right. and care less if God moves, and care less if someone's saved, and care less if someone. Well, it's just a place you know, for just them to a, come on Sunday. It's just a place for people just to to come. But it's more than it's more than just a place to come. It's more than just a place to to attend church. It's a place to belong. It's a place to serve. It's a place to love and to grow. You know, and you and you have to look at this. Look, God's called you. If God's if God's called you to be the guy, then you need to be the guy. And that and that is the most important thing. God's called you to be the guy. Bible says in in Peter, he says God's not willing that any should perish. So God has called every person. He realize there's people that will go to hell having been called. Uh, to get saved. They had the calling on their life. They had God moving them to get saved, but they refused to get the call. They refused to listen to the call. How many times did it take for God to call you to get saved? Right. Did you get saved on your first call? No. I didn't get saved on my first time God convicting me to get saved. I, 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 I pushed it. I pushed it. Nah, nah, nah. And uh, finally, I stopped fighting it and got saved. But, but will, really, um, are you Shamgar willing to, I, I, it doesn't matter my pedigree. It doesn't matter where I'm from. It doesn't matter what I've done. It doesn't matter the, what I've accomplished in this life. If God has called me to do something, are, am I willing to do it? If God called you to preach, would you preach? Miss <laughs> <laughs> Stacy's back there shaking her head. You would? God, can, can God still work on people's lives? Can God still call people to, uh, to do his work? Or is God done? He's still calling people to repentance. He's still calling people to repentance, so we get the call of salvation... But do you get the call of service? He's not going to put you in the service without telling you, I want you to do this or that. 
You, you know, God, God, I believe, the Bible tells us that, that we're all supposed to preach the gospel. So whether you're called into service in as far as preaching or pastoring or missionary or something to that nature, every one of us are called to be a preacher yeah. of the gospel. Um, whether we heed to that calling or not, that's, that's up to us. Shamgar was willing to go and serve. Shamgar answered the call. Uh, we, have a call to, we have a call to salvation. We have a call to service. And then we also have a call to separation. We, we have got to separate from the world. We're not supposed to be the same. Uh, from, there is supposed to be a definitive difference between the world and the church and a definitive difference between the world and Christians. There, there needs to be that separation. I'm called to be separated unto God. Many people think I need to separate from the world. No, I need to separate unto God. And when I separate unto God and I pull myself closer to God, I'll pull myself away from the world. And I won't be close to the world. And I won't act like the world and be like the world when I'm separated unto God. But every one of us are called to salvation. And I believe, I personally believe that every one of us are called to service of some point. And then every one of us are called to separation, to separate unto God. Be the guy. Be the guy that God calls. Number two is the group, right? Number two is the group. Look down in verse number 31. The same verse. And uh, after him was Shamgar, the son of Anath, and slew of who? The Philistines, 600 men. Now, let me ask you this. Did this end the Philistines? No. Did Judges uh, 3 and verse 31, did this end the Philistines? This group was a nagging group to the Israelites for years and years to come. It was, you go down into 1 Kings and 1 and, uh, Samuel, and, and there he is uh, being a nag to the children of Israel, the Philistines. Uh, the, the Philistines, is that not who David fought when he fought Goliath? It was the Philistines. So this end, this group, was the Philistines. You realize that each one of us, we still have a nagging group that's against us. It's the devil. Uh, many people want to play lightly that the devil's not against The devil is against us. He's against everything that we stand for. He's against everything that we are. He's against everything that we preach. Look, if we preach the Bible, he's against us. If you don't preach the Bible, he could care less what you do. Just don't preach this book right here. And don't preach Jesus is the only way to heaven. And you're, you'll be on the same page as the devil because the devil could care less. Look, hey, it's important. Look, we have an enemy and the enemy ain't going away. If the enemy was, was not uh, scared of Jesus, you think for just a moment he's scared of us? When Jesus tempted, Je when, when Jesus was tempted of the devil, the devil took Jesus to the wilderness, took him to the high mountain, took him to an exceeding high mountain, and made him look from the sky, and made him look from the mountain. Well, was it not Satan that took Jesus? Why? You think that he's scared of us? Oh, he, he ain't going to tempt me like that. He ain't going to get me to fall like that. He won't get me to fall into sin. Yeah, that group, the devil... And his angels, they're against us. They're not on our team. They are not for us. They are against us. 
When you, when you play a sport and the team that's on the opposite side of you, are they for you or against you? They want to beat you or let you win? Huh? Do you want to win? Oh, yeah. I want to win against the devil. How do you win against the devil? How do you win against the group? How do you win against the devil and his demons? Devil and his angels. How can you win? What do you think? Quit what do you to him. Only with Jesus Christ. Don't listen to him? What did you say? Only with uh, only, Jesus Christ on your side. Only with the Lord on your side. That's right. That's right. The devil's powerful. You're right. He's more powerful than me. Oh, yeah. He is more powerful than me. He'd stop us in the ground if, without Jesus. Without the Lord. We can't, we can't handle him by ourselves. Oh, well, without Jesus, he's not going to fool with you. He knows he has you. Yeah. But you walk up here and get saved and ask Jesus to come into your heart and your soul. Boy, he's out back there with a paintbrush painting a big bullseye on your back. He's going to follow you and aggravate the hell out of you. Well, the devil's going to be after you. He's not going to quit. And the more you do for God, the more he's going to be after you. The more that you want to serve God, the more he's going to be after you. The more that you want to live right, the more he's going to be after you. Because he doesn't like the direction you're going. He doesn't like the stand that you take against him. Satan is real. Satan is our enemy. He is not for us. He is not on our team. He is not, he is not for us. Anybody that is not on the team... Is what? Is against us. Yes, that's right. It's absolutely against us. Anytime I, you pick up this and start reading it, the phone will ring. Somebody will come to the door. Always something to keep you out of this. Mm-hmm. Have you ever read your Bible and got through with the chapter? And you said, I don't even know what I read? Yes. yes. Well, what did I read out of that chapter? Right. And the devil, have you ever been in the middle of praying and all of a sudden you start thinking about what you're cooking for lunch? <laughs> uh, placing those little thoughts in our mind, getting us sidetracked from what, what we're truly exactly about. Right. And look, and as a Christian, if he wants to, if he wants to get us sidetracked, get us, get us something, doing something good. Just doing something good and serving good and doing what's right, just as long as it's not, and I've said this before, Satan wants you to do what you want to do just as long as it's not what God wants you to do. See, God wanted Shamgar to take the Philistines and, and make a den in them and deliver the children of Israel. Whatever took place, the Philistines had Israel. Whatever took place, it doesn't tell us what took place and how it was, how it was about, but all, ultimately the group, the Philistines, had the Israelites captive. The Philistines had them, and it took Shamgar, the man, the guy, to come to the group and the enemy and come in the might of the Lord 
and win the battle. And just like you and I, we will not defeat Satan. We will not win against him. We will not make a din against him if we don't have God on our side. Many people want to use that verse. It says, and the devil resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Well, read the rest of that verse. What does it say? Submit unto who? Unto him, unto God. And resist the devil and then he'll flee. But no, no, the devil's just going to run away. He's not scared of me. I need to come to God. I need to ask God for his help to resist Satan so that he will flee. I need Satan to flee. But, and you know, Satan does not like... He doesn't like he doesn't like preaching. He doesn't like he doesn't like the word of God. He doesn't like Bible preaching churches. He doesn't like us to pray. But we have to go to the Lord and his we have to go to the Lord, to Satan in the might of the Lord. When David went down there to defeat Goliath, he said, I don't go in the name of David. He said, I go in the might of the Lord. You know, when we go against Satan, we've got to go in the might of the Lord. So number one, we see the guy. Number two, we see the group. And lastly, number three, we see the what? The who? The God. Who's the God? In verse number 31, uh, and he, and which slew of the Philistines 600 men with an ox goad, and he delivered Israel. Who killed 600 men? Shamgar did. But you think for just a moment that Shamgar killed those 600 men by himself? No. No. He had God helping him. He had God helping him. Why did he have God helping him? Because. Why was God on his side? Because he was trying to save God Israel. called him. God called him. God, yeah. What is an ox goad? It's, from what I understand, it's just like a big stick. Mm. That's pointed at the end, if I understand that correctly. Mm. Shamgar killed 600 men with an ox code. It wasn't about Shamgar. It was about the God that he served. God in heaven, the same God that, that, that Shamgar served is the same God that we serve. So Shamgar goes down there, has an ox goat in his hand, and he destroys 600 men of the Philistines. Shamgar didn't have help. He didn't enlist an army. He didn't enlist nobody to go with him, and he killed 600 men. By the end of that battle, you know that he was tired and wore out and was slapped give out after swinging his ox goad uh, who knows how many times. How in the world he defeated 600 men with just a single ox goad uh, is nothing more than just the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Just like David when he killed Goliath, just like in a couple chapters later when Gideon and his group destroyed the, the, I believe, the Midianites, look, that that takes place because of God. That the only way that we can have victory, the only way that we can see things through, the only way that we can get to where God wants us to go is follow Him, be obedient to Him, and He'll provide the way. Right. He provided the way for Shamgar. And the Bible says at the end of that verse, and He also delivered Israel. 
Ehud, Ehud had just delivered, Ehud had just delivered Israel, and so Shamgar, same situation, and he delivered Israel. God wants to deliver his people. God wants to provide for his people. God wants to answer prayers for his people. God wants to provide for us in a special way for his people, but we have to be willing to be the guy to fight the group and just depend on God. Uh, when we go depending on ourselves or go depending on what we can do and on what we can accomplish and on what, what we can say and what we can do with our mouths and our body and our, and our, our life, uh, that's when we get into trouble. Shamgar did not go down there with his ox goat in his hand and said, I'm going to beat you in, in my name. Here, here I come. Uh, they would have taken Shamgar and beat him to a pulp. All those 600 men surrounded him uh, with a Philistine army. No, he went down there in the mind of God and destroyed 600 Israel, Philistines because God provided for him. God did it. God did it. Because of him being willing to just do what God asked him to do. There's one verse written about Shamgar. Two verses, I'm sorry. Two verses written about Shamgar. Why is his story important? Why is it important enough to just get one verse? Why only one verse? Why only one verse? Pretty much says everything. It does say everything. Yeah, but why didn't it give us a backstory? Why didn't it tell us how they fell into the hands of the Philistines? Why didn't it tell us about Shamgar? But important. The main thing is, it's He was a nobody. Because he was a nobody. And God called him. Mm-hmm. And provided what he needed to slew those 600. Is this one verse important? Sure. Yes. Sure. We were talking about that before church just a little bit. Every word of God is important. Yes. So this one verse that describes the story of Shamgar being a judge and defeating the Philistines is important. It was important enough that God wrote one verse about it. But how mighty of a feat it was to, for him to take an ox code and to kill 600 warriors. Just because there's not a lot said about it doesn't mean that it lacks the importance. But just like David, when he slew Goliath, he picked up those five stones by the brook, put them in his little pouch. All it took was one rock. Yep. Uh, Saul couldn't defeat him. David said, I'll take his head off. With the sheep done between his toes, he went out there. Yeah, and defeated him. And here's my thought. Here's my thought to you, okay? Every story is important. Yes. Yes. It may not seem like a lot, and it may not seem very significant to you or me. It's just one verse. You ever heard a sermon preached on Shamgar before? 
I've never heard it. I've never, I've never in my life heard a story, a sermon preached on Shamgar. Just because it's unimportant doesn't mean that it's not part of God's Word. Right. And look, there's people that will come to church. There's people that you think that, man, that's insignificant, but they're one. They're one person that might need to get saved. Right. One person that needs to be influenced. One person that needs the gospel. And every person is important. Because if we don't treat every person important, then who is the important ones? Right. Who are the important ones? Well, that verse ain't no big deal. Just go on to the next story. I'm glad when I came to church that no one overlooked me. No, that's, he's not important. He's just one little guy. So many times. It's a soul. I know. And it, it's a soul. Oh, yeah. And every soul has a value. Sure. And honestly, you can't put a dollar figure on a, on a soul. Because mm. there is no dollar figure on a soul. Mm. Well, if we spend this much money and one person gets saved, then that's... that's no, there is no value of a soul. At one soul, one person gets saved. One person gets saved. How much would it cost? How, how much are you willing to spend on one person getting saved? Right. How much did he pay for a soul? Everything. You was worth it. I was worth it. His life. His life for you. His life for mine. One soul was important. Important. One soul was. One soul was enough for him to lay down his life. What's the value of a soul? The life of Jesus. Just like that song I used to sing, just one more soul. We're to walk down the aisle. It would be worth every struggle and it would be worth every mile. Just have one person get saved. Because you affect, when one person gets saved, you affect their eternity. Forever and ever, they'll be in heaven because you gave, you witnessed, you talked, you preached to them. One for eternity. But you know what? aggravates the fire out of me. Somebody gets saved. We never know who it is. And Well Brother Eddie, when someone gets went stop. Stop. When someone gets saved, I'm not parading them around the church to tell everybody they got saved. It is their decision when they get saved. That when they, when they get saved. If someone gets saved